explore something. Oh my god, what? So recently I have experienced a new, I guess a rebirth of my purpose and passion. Mm-hmm. So a little context, you know this, but I'm going to tell the same story tell again me. for our audience. So I'm in pharmacy school. And Indeed. <laughs> initially, when I applied, when I got in, I was very excited. I was very passionate about the field. And I was very excited to make a difference. I was mm-hmm. confident that I could make a difference. And mm-hmm. I didn't really know the rules of the industry at the time. So I thought, you know, young, naive Maria, I thought I could make a difference in the industry, which I still can, but I was super passionate that I could do something different, not yeah. really specific to the industry and, and how things are being done. Anyways, so throughout the past two years, um, I was getting depressed every day because, you know, that you know the things that I've gone through mm-hmm. and um, I was not resonating with the curriculum. I was not resonating with how the things were being run. Um, and essentially, we discussed this in the previous episode, we were being taught, we we're still being taught how to be employees, even though the program is trying to be better, even though the program is trying to incorporate some leadership skills mm-hmm. in it, uh, they're still failing, in my opinion. But It'd be that way. Um, we had this conversation literally two days ago, and I was like, light i'm miserable i know (laughs) i was like i am miserable and i don't want to commit i was not necessarily committed i was like i don't want to continue something that i'm no longer passionate about yeah Um, i'm passionate about other things that i know i can work on expand and eventually make a difference yeah um but i don't want to be in this field um we talked a lot you gave me great advice i tried um I talked to our other good friend as well. Um, Hurricane. Hurricane. Yeah. Yes. Shout out. She said that I had, there, there are two scenarios. First, um, if I'm truly not passionate about the field, it takes courage to, to leave something behind that no longer serves me. True. So I can do that. Fact. And the second decision was um, I have to, I had to commit on my, I had to sorry reflect on my commitment. Um, if I want, if I wanted to continue pursuing this degree, I had to reflect on why I'm not committed to it. You know. So um, before I texted you, before I talked to our friend, I was so emotionally charged. I emailed a few people in our program, asking them about the process of transferring to another major. Oh my god! And even. The possibility of me dropping out and i was even considering changing my degree completely to psychology for instance because i'm passionate oh, about psychology be that way. but then i realized they got back to me they told me that it's gonna take about seven to eight years for me to start over with like residency and research because it's a doctorate program it's another doctorate program and i had to start over the units were not gonna transfer so I had to start yeah over, it's not giving that's my feeling. I was like, I have one year left. Yeah. Technically. Technically. Um, I have to do something about it because I, I invested money. I invested time in this of program. Of course. Yeah. So I might as well reflect on what I can do to reawaken the passion that I had initially. Sure. Um, and it's funny how things worked out. I mean, the next day I had this incredible lecture at pharmacy school in psychiatric pharmacy. 
my professor is amazing. She's passionate about the field. I learned so much about mental health disorders and like non-traditional approaches to treating those disorders. Um, like what? Tell me more. On the day after, I'll get into it later. Okay. And the day after, I had this incredible rotation at a military pharmacy, and I realized that this is the byproduct of trusting life, of going with the trust flow. the process. I was presented with opportunities that sort of showed me different possibilities within the field. Like I'm not really forced to go into community practice or a hospital practice. Yeah. There's so many other avenues that I can take in the industry. And I was sort of limiting myself. I've realized that I was complaining about the curriculum. I was complaining about how things are being run, but I was never really blaming myself for losing this commitment because mm. I was limiting. I had a limiting perspective on this. Yeah. Um, but I realized that it takes courage to recommit to something, especially to an old flame, really. It was a, it was an old passion and I mm -hmm. lost it, mm -hmm. but I think I'm finding that excitement again and it's I'm so proud it, of it you. feels like a rebirth it definitely feels like a rebirth it's gonna be renaissance vibes mm -hmm. yeah i love it um to answer your question i mean as far as psychiatric pharmacy goes uh, mental health is another pandemic in the united states yeah um and in the world too but world it's, too. yeah u.s is not thriving on it at the moment yes exactly and you know, I'm used to hearing, um, I'm used to the same approach as far as pharmacy goes, like people, keep, especially healthcare professionals, they keep relying on pharmacological interventions. And I was kind of expecting that exact approach when I started this CNS central nervous system module, but my professor said that cognitive behavioral therapy is our first line of therapy for mental health disorders. So that essentially means going through therapy, working with your therapist to come up with um, coping mechanisms yeah. and, um, you know, habit tracking, creating new habits before you should rely on pharmacological interventions. And that was surprising to me because my whole that. life, I mean, both of us, we value cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, we work on ourselves to get to this point yeah. of inner peace. Yeah. Um, and self-reliance yeah. and i feel like the fact that my professor is emphasizing that before going to a pharmacological intervention that's beautiful huge for me um before i thought oh my god like i personally am not a fan of relying on pharmaceuticals to solve every single problem of yours because i feel like most of the time it's a mandate it doesn't yeah. target the core issue but in this case as far as mental health goes i feel like therapy is the first line of therapy that one should rely on and your professor also encouraged yes, that exactly and that's rare yes, in pharmacy because yes. i feel like they just want to it's just so interesting drug you. it's so interesting <laughs> that it happened the day after i made a decision to transfer out yeah and i'm like there's so many things that i still don't know about the field i mean i can do so many things i don't have to follow their rules i don't even have to break any rules i can take an avenue that i resonate with mm -hmm. um and still practice pharmacy you know in the future um but yeah i i'm really excited to see where this takes me how did you i mean i know that like you you had some conversations with me with hurricane etc mm -hmm. but like and you did look 
you you looked for signs right you were like i'm trying to like rationalize like you emailed these people they did not get back they didn't all get back to you and you're like oh this is a sign and it's just oh, how do you find that motivation when there is there are no signs mm -hmm. i guess right because like i guess like the signs were your interpretation of things yes, too i assign meaning to, to yeah to assign meaning to it yeah um i realized that life is really neutral mm -hmm. life is neutral we assign meanings to things our True. minds assign meanings to things so for instance um there there are two scenarios to this there are two potential meanings that i can attach to this mm -hmm. um the reason first first one being the reason they didn't get back to me is because they don't care about their students that's what i said yes negative nancy um they have other priorities yeah that's why they didn't get, get back to me and i could have taken that and like um pushed my cause further and i could have gone to their office and like you know what i'm dropping out here's my oh you don't care about me yeah, care bye about me. I'm out. <laughs> um but i decided to consciously attach a positive meaning to it because i do believe i genuinely believe that everything happens for a reason in life and the fact that they didn't get back to me was a green light for me to keep on going pursuing whatever i'm pursuing but at the end at the end of the day like literally whatever you're experiencing you can consciously attach meaning to it yeah. it doesn't matter if it's true or not if you are attaching a positive meaning to it yeah you are going to experience that positivity in your head at least and you had an inspiring lecture the next day yes, too and that kind of like exactly. cemented that yes. for you mm -hmm. exactly. did was the lecture really inspiring or were were you assigning meaning to that too in your mind the lecture was indeed expiring inspiring like but, intrinsically yes yeah. but my professor when i experienced her passion for the field at least for psychiatric pharmacy yeah and the stories that she told us about her making a difference for instance in people who had alcohol use disorder mm. this book, we I had a conversation about this in the morning. Um, I realized that a lot of people do need pharmacological interventions. It's not all just like band-aids. Before we go further, I feel like we do need to expand on that a little bit. Yes. So what is an alcohol abuse disorder? So alcohol use disorder is when you have, for instance, five to six drinks per week consistently all the time it's giving everyone and it's it's essentially an addiction yeah um and if you if you want to stop that habit if you want to get over and eliminate and these people are not alcoholic no they're not you don't have to be an intense alcoholic to have alcohol use disorder but there is some level of addiction if you feel addicted to it it's already a disorder. you're on the journey yes. of becoming one yes so, um, and there are people who decide to quit and they do do it cold turkey, meaning mm. they stop immediately. They don't realize that alcohol withdrawal symptoms can be fatal. And to, I guess, mitigate that, you have to rely, at least for a shorter period of time, on pharmacological interventions. Yeah. Um, to, for instance, naltroxone to trick your body into thinking that you are ingesting alcohol but it's not really alcohol you're not experiencing an addiction oh, wow. your body's like less reliance on alcoholic alcoholic beverages to survive to get that high that mm. anyway so that was a rude awakening for me because at some point i've lost faith in western medicine but now <laughs> it'd be that way now pharmacy student right here yes. but it's coming back 
it's coming back. Now I realize that I can't really generalize. There are certain instances where you do need those interventions for survival. Yeah. Alcohol withdrawal symptoms can be fatal if not treated properly. What are these symptoms that are like can be fatal? You can literally go into coma. You can literally go into coma if not treated properly. Um, you you feel nausea. You feel, um, I guess it's like constantly sweating. You feel very lethargic, fatigue all the time. That's not giving. Um, you can have seizures too, actually. Oh my god! It can it can be very serious if 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 left untreated. Yeah, that's not giving. Yeah, I. Good, good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a heavy drinker, you know me, but I, I definitely, you know, back in the olden days, I mean, decisions were made. Yes. They were not great. <laughs> I mean, naturally, everyone goes through those phases, phases, but you have to, I guess, make conscious decisions. Yeah. To do something that's healthy for you, even mm-hmm. if that means relying on pharmaceuticals to help you overcome that. But yeah, at at the core of it, I feel like we are slowly learning on how to rely on cognitive behavioral therapy first before mm-hmm. we um, take external, we rely on external tools like substances to solve problems. And we both have had experiences with therapy. And I'm curious to know what, has it been useful for you? Do you think yeah. it changed your perspective, your mindset? So therapy and I, we're new buddies it's a new it's a new relationship for me um i i did have a therapist before i don't know if i ever talked about this but um my old therapist god bless her heart great person great person great professional too but i just think you know when you are in the thick of it when you're in the trenches it's really hard to know what is a good therapy versus a bad therapy and i don't think i knew what it was um so I was like okay I'm gonna take everything as advice I'm gonna go like roll with it and I'm sure maybe that was really good therapy for someone to each their own maybe that was their journey but I don't think it was my journey and I didn't realize that until I got better mentally and then I was like oh wait like I'm in a much better place right now and now I'm realizing that this old thing of oh so how do you feel about this so what does that make you feel like without giving me any feedback like any genuine feedback or just saying oh I'm sorry like I like to have a conversation right and I felt like I was finding my own answers and I was just like talking out loud almost to myself to find my own answers for the most part not always but for the most part and I'm like I don't think that's how like I want to feel like I'm I'm having a conversation with a friend And that's like the kind of therapy that I, that I guess I'm interested in or like something where you don't have to be my friend, but like, give me a, tell me something, tell me I'm right, tell me I'm wrong, tell me some anything at all. I get what you're saying, but isn't that the whole point of therapy for you to find your answers without others telling you? But it answers? gets so old, right? Like when someone's keep telling you, so how does that make you feel? I'm like, shit, like that's how it makes me feel. What do you mean? Like, obviously I'm not thriving right now. You know, it's yeah. like you need it's 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 like it's what i had to go through to get to where i'm at but in full honesty and again there's no experiment on this so i can't confidently say that therapy had no role in me my healing Mm -hmm. it the first initial therapy that i had not not you know being a part of my healing journey because i i think what really healed me was obviously like my close friends and like people like you but also i did a lot of myself Mm -hmm. 
I had to put in the work myself and I had to be in the trenches and with the pain and in the thick of it myself mm -hmm. internally and embrace the moment mm -hmm. and journal. Like yes. I always said, journaling saved me. Journaling saved me. Um, and going on a walks, going on walks and journaling saved me. Mm -hmm. It was cathartic every time. Um, and obviously like friends, people you can support, people that can, like you can support and can support you. And honestly, I say this jokingly, but having people rely on rely on you when you need to rely on someone somehow gives counteracts, gives you strength. And it's like when people show you vulnerability, it makes you want to be like good mm -hmm. and makes you want to be the one that's like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. And it, it forces you to take control over the situation in a way where okay, I need to be strong for us. Mm -hmm. And when you're forced to be strong for someone, you end up becoming strong for yourself. Yeah, I agree. But that was my first part of therapy vibe. And my second part of therapy vibe is like, I have a new therapist now because I realized once I got better, I'm like, this is not my journey. Like, I don't think I'm really healing from this. I need something that, that's a little bit more hands-on and interactive. Mm -hmm. So my new therapist, I love her. I'm obsessed with her. I only see her like once every two weeks. So every other week. And she is like a friend but she would react she's like oh she said this or she said that or he did this he i'm like yeah and they're like oh my god like that's insane i'm like yes girl it is like you know so we're like actually having a conversation and it's not about it's i'm not i'm not so like in my mind about it trying to figure out all the answers because i'm already in my mind 24 7 right. i need to get out of that and like talk to someone and like help me find some answers right mm -hmm. so it just it kind of like validated a lot like i felt like my feelings were validated right. i felt more heard right. and seen with this new like therapist and i continue to feel so so yeah we're just like she's sort of like stuck with me at this point but <laughs> therapy is is crucial good therapy, good therapy is is right. good anything but like good therapy you have to pick it really wisely wisely and we can't always be good with it right we can't we're not always good at picking it out ourselves when we then we when we're in a bad place because you know desperate times yeah, desperate measures I agree. yeah it'd be that way um in my opinion i think introspection is one of the goals of therapy and i i think it is a muscle that you have to consistently work yeah on, yeah um to make sure that it's gaining its optimal strength and for yeah. me i i've never really been comfortable with introspection but that was my first goal when I went into therapy I, I told her I was like I want to learn how to reflect and introspect on yeah. my own without any um external input because for, for my entire life I've heard different um different advice I was faced with different expectations and it felt like there was a lot of external input yeah and I was operating on those external inputs without having my own input oh, yeah. so I I kind of asked her and set that goal for myself i was like teach me how to do proper <laughs> introspection like um, i need help yes so personally for me i didn't really need a conversation because i relied on conversations um all the time sure. to make decisions so mine was the opposite i was like don't interfere don't really say anything mm -hmm. if you think my thought process is harming me let me know but let me do my own reflection introspection let me know if i'm doing it that's right. good but but she, did she ever like stop you and say like oh like maria i don't think this is yes. right yeah a couple of times. see mine never my old one never mm -hmm. did that's the thing i i think well maybe i was right maybe that's why she didn't stop me but even when i'm right 
say something to reaffirm that I'm right. Like, you have to either validate me or, like, just say, oh, you're actually in the wrong. Or, like, have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. And when you don't give me any perspective at all, then I feel like I'm talking to myself. But mm-hmm. yours, like, seemingly doing, and I get what you're saying. Like, that's mm-hmm. different than my personal journey. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you do. You still got some yeah. feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I did. I'm, I'm yeah. very grateful for that experience. Um, well, the moral of the story, I guess, the advice for everyone doesn't matter if, like, if you're going through physical struggle or struggles or mental struggle, struggles, yeah. emotional struggles. Yeah. First line of therapy should be therapy first line of therapy people relying on stimulants or antidepressants yeah doesn't matter what you're going through i feel like every problem stems from your mind if your mind is working properly if your thought process and thought content is healthy yeah um you'll be able to overcome any problems that you're facing physically and that's how you can find motivation again right Mm -hmm. because like you have to adhere meaning to mm-hmm. things sometimes yeah. and sometimes you have to like just be welcoming and open-minded mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what's around you and allow if you're not allowing yourself to feel that inspiration to get that inspiration you're not mm-hmm. going to get that inspiration mm-hmm. so you have to be in an open heart 100%. open space to get that motivation mm-hmm. and therapy can be very important yes. for that and mm-hmm. i for sure as hell i've been way more motivated since mm-hmm. my therapy 2.0 journey <laughs> the homework for today is consciously assign meanings to experiences yeah um our minds are used to assigning meanings involuntarily that's why like we freak out and we sometimes go into the fight or flight mode yeah but when you start consciously assigning meanings to those experiences for instance what is this experience teaching me yeah what can i get out of this experience um is it positive or negative it's gonna change your perspective it's gonna change the quality of your decisions so from now on, we're consciously assigning meanings to experiences, preferably positive ones. Preferably positive <laughs> ones. And just, you know what? Take it easy. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be fine. And, like, even when you're not feeling motivation, I can promise you, just do the work. Do your journaling. Mm-hmm. Do whatever exercise you want to do, if you can, or walk, or right. whatever you want to do. Try to assign meanings. Mm-hmm. If you have a therapist, embrace it. If you don't have one, try to get one. Mm-hmm or keep your you know your support system close to you but you will the motivation will come back if you have only 10 percent to give just give your 10 percent today that's all that matters and that's your 100 percent because that's all you had to give exactly well thanks for okay. being with us <laughs> until next time See you later bye ciao